You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Awesome. So, if you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I have written seven books. They're all available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. Um, my ministry is different than a lot of ministries. I like to point that out right from the beginning. I'm not a pastor. I get called Pastor Matt quite a bit, but I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like 99.999% of the U.S. and world population. No disrespect to pastors. What a difficult, difficult position to be in. To have so much pressure put on you. To have the answer for everything. My gosh, that sounds that sounds like a nightmare. But some enjoy it. Some people have the gift of pastoring. I don't. <laughs> uh, so... I have the gift of communication, I have the gift of encouragement, I have the gift of writing, I have the gift of creativity. So I understand what my gifts are, um, and I don't try to express gifts that I don't have or be jealous of other people's gifts. Good on you for whatever your gift is. <laughs> um, gifts are meant to edify the body of Christ, not to be in competition Gifts are a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, uh, today, and if you're listening to this live, thank you for joining me. Um, but most people who watch these walk talks of mine, I'm finding out they watch them later. I started these walk talks, I don't know, a month or so ago. And it's just a 10 to 20 minute little walk with me. And we talk about, uh, I talk about, I say we, I say we a lot. Um, I talk about, um, and I do have lives on TikTok where I actually in, um, interact with the comments, but this, this, uh, setting that I do with these walk talks, um, I talk about a particular topic. Um, it could be a hot topic. It could be just some type of encouragement. It could be a Bible passage that, um, I've heard a lot about recently and I just want to discuss it. So based on what I have learned so far, and I want to put this disclaimer out there. I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. But I'm going to tell you what I have Sorry, my phone froze there. I don't know everything. I'm not in ministry to know everything. But I am in ministry to talk about Jesus. He is who I know. He is what matters. So, um, am I still frozen? Can you guys see me? Still there? Are you still there? Still there? Everybody still there? Sorry, my phone froze. Everybody still there? Awesome. Cool. So, I don't have to know everything. Christians aren't Christians to know everything. Um, we are called to know Jesus. Once we know Jesus, we have all we need for life and godliness. Now, of course, we want to discuss things, biblical things, but we don't want to die on a hill of, I know everything. When we get to the point where all we do is talk about everything we know, we've forgotten 
who we truly are. And we've forgotten how we were saved and who we know, which is Jesus Christ. So my ministry is different because um, I don't claim to know everything, but I will tell you what I know so far. And you don't have to agree with me. Um, this is just me talking to you about what I've learned so far. But the things that I know so far, I'm going to say this is what I know. We're all struggling with some type of error. Everybody doesn't know absolutely everything. And I wanna get that out there real quick before I begin. If you follow ministries that are dead set on proving other people wrong, be weary of that. Take a step back. I'm not saying consider them bad people or anything, but just think about that. Why do they want to be right so much? Why are they correcting everybody so much? Even for myself, you know, when I want to correct somebody because I disagree with them, you know, I have to pause and think about this. Why? What's the point? Am I, am I just being a grace jerk and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong or prove all my knowledge and you better bow down at my knowledge? Those are some things where you just need to step back and say, you know what? This is not a big deal. Let it go. But there's a few things that we get accused about when we begin to understand the grace of God. One of those things is Christians and sin. Christians and sin. So I talk about grace. I teach grace in my ministry. Grace is the foundation of the new covenant. Grace is Jesus. So when you talk a lot about grace, those who think they're doing a great job at sinning less than you, they're going to say, you're just being light on sin. We're not being light on sin. We're being heavy on Jesus. And in, if we flip that around, they are actually being light on sin because they're not making much of Jesus. When you think you're making too much of grace, you think you're making too much of Jesus because all Christians sin. We gotta be clear, we sin, everybody sins. You sin, I sin, everybody sins. James says we all stumble in many ways. And this is the half brother of Jesus. So when somebody says you're making too much of grace, it's because they're making too little of Jesus. Some call this greasy grace. I don't know. Paul wrote to Titus and said, it is the grace of God that teaches us how to live upright, godly, self-controlled lives. Grace. That doesn't sound very greasy to me. You know what sounds greasy? The law. The law of Moses, 613 commandments you got to latch onto to try to be righteous with God. You know what else sounds greasy? Trying to mix in my works in with the gospel to try to sustain or maintain what I do. That sounds greasy. Self-righteousness sounds greasy. Law observance sounds pretty darn greasy because James said you have to follow the law perfectly. Paul said to the Galatians, you have to follow the law perfectly. Jesus said, you have to follow the law perfectly. James chapter two, Colossians chapter three, Matthew chapter five. Look it up. That's greasy. So when we sin, what do we do? 
It's just going to shock you. <laughs> Repent. Woo. Repent. Repent. Repent is a waltz. It's a waltz. Sin, repent. Sin, repent. Sin, repent. You repent constantly. You repent constantly. Repent. There's no asterisk to that. When you sin as a Christian, repent. How difficult is that to understand? It's not. But we want to mix in repentance to be continually forgiven. That's the problem. Sorry if I'm switching hands a lot here. My arms are tired. Um, when we repent as Christians, we are not continually repenting to be continually forgiven. Mind-blowing, right? You repent once of unbelief. That saves you. Metaneo. And then you continually repent of actions in order to enjoy your salvation. Metanoia. Two different forms of repentance. One saves. One allows you to enjoy your salvation. You don't repeatedly, you don't repeatedly, I'll get to confess in a second, but you don't repeatedly confess to be, you don't repeatedly repent to be repeatedly forgiven in what you do. Any unbeliever can repent of what they're doing. They must repent of unbelief once to be saved by grace through faith. Now, let's go on to confession. Should I confess when I sin? Yes. Yes. Confess. That's healthy. Talk to somebody. Reach out to a family member, friend, um, Christian counselor, pastor, whoever. Talk about it. I'm really struggling with this. That's confession. But just like repentance, you do not repeatedly confess to receive repeated forgiveness. I know this is just mind-blowing to you, and you might be thinking of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's, that's directed at unbelievers, the Gnostics. The first chapter of First uh, John is an invitation to understand Jesus came in the flesh and you must admit that you're sinful. You must confess or admit. And then what happens? He cleanses you of all your sins. Nobody's ever confessed in the Bible to God to be forgiven. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God's forgiveness economy is based on blood. That's how it was before the cross at the temple by way of animal blood. And then after the cross, there is no more shedding of blood. There's no more sacrifice left. Jesus was the last bloody sacrifice. He doesn't require blood anymore. The book of 1 John, the next chapter, he says, and he is the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation. That means satisfying sacrifice. So... He talks about uh, you need to confess that you are a sinner. Jesus came in the flesh. And then the next chapter, he says, I write to you in case any of you does sin. And then I think it's verse 12. He says, your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake because he is the propitiation in the very same chapter. Propitiation means he's not going to require anything else from you for your sins. 
No more repentance. No more confession. No more bloody sacrifices. And the bloody sacrifice was the only thing that for, for, that would forgive you anyway. Make sense? This is why the book of Hebrews, so many don't understand it because they don't understand what the whole point of the book of Hebrews is. The whole point of the book of Hebrews is to Time, say, Jesus is better minutes, than... 37 seconds total distance, 2.0 miles, average pace, 18 minutes, 18 okay, seconds we get it. per mile, split Tell pace, how fast I'm going. 21 minutes, I 20 know. seconds per mile. I can go faster. Mile. All right. So the book of Hebrews, <laughs> the book of Hebrews is all about Jesus being better than what the Jews were doing, the temple work. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, some people want to say um, that is proof that you can fall away from being saved. It's not. The author is telling them you have tasted, but you didn't swallow. You heard about Jesus, but you still wanted to go back to the temple work, back to getting forgiveness by animal blood, back to the Levitical priests, back to Moses. Come on. This is not about a Christian. And then Hebrews 10, 26, people want to say, if you deliberately keep on sinning, again, this is temple work stuff. Temple work stuff. There's no bloody sacrifice left to be had at the temple. And then it continues on. You're trampling on the spirit of grace. What is grace? Jesus. So, the book of Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Christ over what Israel was doing at the temple. The author was so scared to write this, they didn't even sign it. That's how serious this letter was. That's why we say the author. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. That's how scared they were of saying this. I think it's Paul, personally, just the style that he wrote. But we say this today with today's church about repentance. And about confession, even about remorse. If you don't have repentance, confession, remorse, you're not forgiven of that sin. That is crap. <laughs> it's dung. Paul said crap in the Bible. I can say it too. <laughs> so that's why we get attacked. The author of Hebrews was getting attacked because they were saying, Jesus is better than your animal sacrifices because uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, Hebrews chapter 9. And then they continued to sin according to the law of Moses. They deliberately continued to sin according to the law of Moses. Do you see it? Do you see it, friends? You, Christian, you deliberately sin every day. I deliberately sin every day. We all deliberately sin. There's no such thing as a non-deliberate sin. We're not robots. Our will is involved with our sin every single time we sin. There's no such thing as an accidental sin. We sin, and then we acknowledge it, and then we mature and grow. That's what we do. So, the book of Hebrews is amazing once you understand the context. It is powerful. It, it enforces everything um, that is the foundation of the new covenant. Um, so let's talk about another passage that I've seen get pulled up a lot. What was it? Uh, first John three, let's talk about first John three for a minute. So first John three says no one who, um, is born of God practices sin. 
because God's seed abides in them. First John 3, 9, I think it is. First John 3, it says it twice. And it talks about whoever is born of God does not practice sin. Another translation, I think it's the NIV says, cannot go on sinning. We have to get the context behind 1 John 3. 1 John, the, the whole book of 1 John. The book of 1 John is a description of believer and unbeliever. Not a prescription for a believer and unbeliever. John is combating Gnosticism. He is describing the nature of an unbeliever compared to a believer. So when, when we see he cannot practice sin, that is a nature verse. It is something you repeatedly do naturally to get better at. Uh, what's a good example of this? A lawyer. What does a lawyer do? A lawyer practices law. An ongoing practice to get better at because he's a lawyer. That lawyer can practice law for 50 years and you'll never hear them say, I do law. Oh, I do law. I practice law. I have a practice. Same with a doctor. What does a doctor do? Do you ever hear a doctor say, I do medicine? No. They say, I practice medicine. I have a practice. Same with us. We have a new practice. We have a new nature. Peter tells us about this. We have God's divine nature. God's seed gave you, when you were born again, your new nature, your new practice. So you can't continue to sin. I'm going to turn around here. You can't continue to sin to do more of it to get better at it. You cannot go on sinning. Does it make sense? You're going to sin. The previous chapter, he said, I write to you because if any, any of you does sin, see, nature, describing the little children, believers, then he gets right back to a description. Whoever is born of God doesn't make a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in them, lives in them. What is God's seed? His, and this sounds weird, it's his supernatural sperm. I know, that's weird. But you're a child of God. The first chapter of God's, of God's gospel, John's gospel says, you are born of God. So you're a child of God. You have a new nature. You have a new practice and you cannot go on sinning to do more, to be better at. What does that look like? I'm a child of God. So when I struggle with something, I, I'm going against what my natural practice is. So say I get in an argument with somebody or somebody hurts my feelings and I'm struggling with, um, ugh, I'm not forgiving them this time. That's never going to feel right to me. That's not my practice. I have a forgiving practice. So I can go the next 50 years being resentful and not forgiving them. That will never feel right to me. I have a new nature. I have a new practice. Insert your sin there. If you're a child of God, you're born of God. You have a new practice. So whatever that sin is that you struggle with, it's never going to set right with you permanently, ever. That is why we should always learn and grow and mature. 
Peter talks about this in, I think it's 2 Peter 1. He says, he, he tells them, you have God's divine nature. Then he lists all these things that they should be maturing in. And the bottom line is love. And he says, if you lack these qualities, you have forgotten you've been forgiven. You've forgotten your cleansing. Does that make sense? So when we sin, repent. When we sin, confess. When we sin, acknowledge it. But don't ever think you're, you're doing any of those things to be more forgiven because Christ will never die for your sins again. He doesn't repeatedly get up and down off a cross when you do those things. And that would be the only thing that would repeatedly forgive you. So, kind of gone over here today. I'm going to go ahead and uh, put a ribbon on this. And I've hoped you, I hope you have enjoyed this. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it's helped you separate your who from your do. You have, there has to be a great divorce in your mind. Separate who you are from what you do. You are not what you do. When Jesus said a tree is known by his fruit, he's talking about the false prophets. We are not trees. Trees are self-sufficient. We are branches. He's the vine. So separate your who from your do. Be yourself and always tell the truth about yourself. Even when you're making mistakes. That is grace. That's the grace of God that teaches you how to live an upright, godly, self-controlled, holy life. In the present age. <laughs> uh, so. Um, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're holy. Be holy because God is holy. You are. Be. Let. Live. You're righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, in Christ, Matt. You're always in Christ. You're always righteous. You're never not righteous. You might express unrighteous actions and attitudes, but you are not your actions and attitudes. What else are you? You're just like Jesus. Yeah. I said that. I said that. You are just like Jesus. John tells us in the very next chapter, 1 John 4, in this world, we are like him. So be yourself. Tell the truth about yourself. When you sin, learn from it. Mature, grow. But don't worry about losing your salvation. You can sin 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. That's not going to unsave you. It's not going to unsave you because it's not more powerful than the cross. You're going to be miserable. You're going to live a miserable life, but there's nothing you can do to undo what the cross has already done for you, to you, and now through you. So... Hope you guys have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.